Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is I Will Fight You. We've been turning opinion into stone-cold facts since 1986. Today's fact? Some scenery is meant to be chewed, and some men are born to chew scenery. We're talking about Street Fighter, guys. It's Street Fighter time. Annie's very excited about Street Fighter. Street Fighter the movie is the movie that if you know me long enough, I will eventually force you to watch with me. Can confirm. Can also confirm, actually. (laughs) It's just what happens. I love this movie. I love this movie so much. It's something you have to accept about friendship with Annie, is that occasionally you will have to watch Street Fighter. And you'll like it. (laughs) Look, I have done this on so many friendships, I've made them watch Street Fighter with me. And they've all come out of the experience at least enjoying something. (laughs) This was made in 1994. It stars Jean-Claude Van Damme as an American man. Also Kylie Minogue. It stars Raul Julia in his final performance. You know, Raul Julia, Overdrawn at the Memory Bank, the Addams Family movies, other wonderful films. It's worth noting that Jean-Claude Van Damme does not even attempt an American accent. (laughs) He's very French. As I understand it, this movie is loosely based on the plot of Street Fighter 2. Here's a fun fact about me. I love Street Fighter the movie. I have played maybe 10 minutes of Street Fighter (laughs) in my entire life. I've probably played a little bit more than that, but only because both of my parents bowled and the bowling alley had a Street Fighter arcade game. So did you actually play it or did you look at the screen while it was running a demo and move the joystick around and match buttons? I say to you, por no los dos. Fair. <laughs> my parents would often give me money so that I could bowl on my own down at the end and talk to the bowling fairy. But when they weren't doing that, they would just give me a pile of quarters and I would go play the games. And there were only like five games, three of which were pinball, one of which was Street Fighter, one of which was Pac-Man. And I tended to gravitate towards Street Fighter mostly because it had the best graphics. Should we just roll on past the bowling fairy part? Yes. Okay. Kid, have you ever played Street Fighter? No. <laughs> <laughs> just No. <laughs> We were a dead or alive household. <laughs> see, we had Mortal Kombat on the Super Nintendo, mind you. Yeah, see, as mentioned before, I was raised by wolves, and so I did not get access to video games that weren't educational games about ancient Rome until I was like 15. God, that really doesn't count for a lot. I don't know what a fucking Zelda is. <laughs> we can fix this, you know. No. We can get you a Switch. No. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I have been meaning to get a Switch, but that's just so I can play Goose Game on the go. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I get that. So Street Fighter the movie. They wanted to make this movie about Street Fighter because Street Fighter was popular. Capcom co-financed the movie. Keep in mind, this came out the year after Super Mario Brothers the movie, so there was a lot riding on this. <laughs> Most of the budget, like a third of the budget, went to casting Jean-Claude Van Damme because they really wanted him in it. Wikipedia says that Van Damme's fee alone took nearly $8 million of the film's, not the casting budget, the film's $35 million budget. Oh, Lord. Which is why there's a whole bunch of minor actors and nobodies alongside Raul Julia and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Speaking of which, did you know that this is Ming-Na Wen's, like, first big film credit? I also did not, but only because I messed up the timeline of... Of Mulan versus this thing. <laughs> yeah, Mulan was actually after this. Ming-Na Wen is Mulan. So this is maybe the best video game movie? <laughs> it is certainly the video game movie closest to its source material. 
I would argue that that might actually be the Dead or Alive movie, which is mostly completely plotless and involves a whole bunch of women in bikinis. True. But this, though. <laughs> Spiritually closest to its source material, let's say. This is a big, dumb B movie, and it's not clear if anyone is taking this seriously, <laughs> except Raul Julia. He is definitely not taking this seriously. He's here to have fun. At the same time, apparently, he did, like, a shit ton of research on dictators so he could accurately play one. <laughs> So, like, he put work into it. He is not phoning it in. No. No, no, no. Raul Julia chews scenery in this movie with a full set of fancy silverware. <laughs> he has a napkin tucked in to his cravat. <laughs> he is a fancy boy here for a nice fancy meal, and it's full of set pieces. <laughs> he only, like, signed up for this movie because his kids really like Street Fighter. So he was just like, my kids love this. They can like help me prepare for the role. I'm, I'm going to like do something that my kids will watch and enjoy. Ah, yes. The same motivation that has led a lot of very good actors to do very bad movies. <laughs> yeah. But as long as they have fun, you know, like yeah. how Vincent Price was clearly enjoying like every single garbage movie he was in, mostly because he was there to like either just enjoy himself or because he really liked where they were shooting the film. <laughs> Well, like how Ocean's 12, everyone signed up for that solely so they could have a vacation in Italy. <laughs> and they all stayed at George Clooney's mansion out there. That sounds right. We should probably start talking about this movie, this this beautiful movie. By the way, in terms of the fact, Raul Julia is in fact the man born to chew the scenery. In case you haven't figured that out. <laughs> in case that was not clear. <laughs> Here's the thing about this movie. It does not give you time to breathe. It starts immediately. <laughs> Literally, the Universal logo fades into the Street Fighter one with a loud wom, wom, wom. <laughs> it is like, are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> not only do we get the Street Fighter logo just slamming onto the screen, but we also have a whole bunch of newscasters talking about a crisis in Shadaloo, this very real country. <laughs> Not only is Shadaloo real, but it's in the middle of a civil war and the capital has just fallen. The capital, which is named Shadaloo City. Uh -huh. Don't you guys just love when you want to travel to your nation's capital, Canada City in Canada? <laughs> I love America City. It's beautiful. It is. They show a map very briefly. I think Shadaloo is supposed to be next to, like, South Korea or something. I mean, the movie was shot in Thailand. Right. I'm guessing it's kind of, sort of, supposed to be Thailand. I wouldn't worry about it too much. It's fine. What we're going to learn about this movie is that Shadaloo has a national font. Oh, God, yeah. The language in Shadaloo is just, like, English in a wacky font. Yeah, it's got like circles in the letters. Throughout the fucking movie. There will be handwritten signs in Shadaloo font. <laughs> I love Shadaloo font. I love Shadaloo. It's stupid. Shadaloo City has just fallen. I'm not sure what that means because we spent a lot of time in Shadaloo City and it seems okay. It seems fine. There's a lot of refugees, but it seems fairly stable, honestly. We briefly meet Chun-Li, who is a newscaster. For GMT World News. We also cut to M. Bison, who immediately starts this movie on a floating platform that just, like, <laughs> hovers around for no reason. He has a pit full of relief workers that he has kidnapped. <laughs> it's actually referred to constantly throughout the movie as the hostage pit. And I say that because every time it opens or closes, there is an automated voice that says, Hostage pit opening. Hostage pit closing. <laughs> 
Not only did they explicitly name it the hostage pit, but they made sure to have the lady who recorded their base announcements <laughs> refer to it as such and record warnings for when it's opening and closing. Which I feel like is prescient. Also, very safe. It is very safe. There aren't that many guardrails around the hostage pit, so having a very clear noise telling you that the hostage pit is opening and closing feels smart to me. Valid. How many hostages do they take where they have a dedicated hostage pit? Well, there's 63 hostages here. Well, I mean, like, on the regular, like, are these the first 63 of hopefully many more batches? Or have there been previous hostage takings that were also kept in the hostage pit? I feel like this is probably the main event for the hostage pit, but he's probably had some, you know, hostage trials in there before. (laughs) Make sure it's all set up properly. Gotta get it up to code. Also, here's another thing I love about this movie in sort of the opening credits. M. Bison's costume gets its own credit. (laughs) The woman who designed the M. Bison costume gets her own credit along with like the producers and the directors and stuff. It's very good. Honestly valid. That costume is something. It's so good. Another thing that you should keep in mind with this movie, Raul Julia is doing an amazing job. He was also dying of cancer at this time. Yeah. Yeah. They had originally planned for him to do a whole bunch of like fight scenes and stuff first and like train the rest of the cast up as they filmed those scenes. But then Raul Julia's health was declining. So they had to switch a whole bunch of stuff around to the point where most of the actors were only getting fight choreography a couple hours before they filmed. But that's just another thing to really admire about Raul Julia. He is not doing super well here, but he is giving this movie... 150%. Oh, he is. He's doing a lot of acting in this. (laughs) He's doing more acting than anyone else in this movie combined. Yeah, by volume. Except maybe DJ. Except maybe (laughs) DJ. DJ's so tired, you guys. (laughs) DJ's so tired. They are loading these hostages into the hostage pit. M. Bison is like, why don't you fight me instead? They got AN soldiers, which are UN soldiers, but it's AN instead for some reason. The Allied Nations, not the United Nations. It's completely different. Yeah. They have blue camo uniforms. The really fun part is the first AN soldier squares up with Bison. The shot that shows both of them is just blatantly a Street Fighter screen cap. (laughs) We don't know from Street Fighter here, but we know that's a Street Fighter. Yeah, that's a fighting game shot. (laughs) There's a couple of those in here. They're very gratuitous and they're wonderful. While Bison is fighting a couple of soldiers one-on-one in fights that take about five seconds so we can see how cool and powerful he is, Chun-Li is trying to get an interview with Colonel Guile, who is our boy Jean-Claude Van Damme. Keep in mind that Guile is supposed to be American. (laughs) (laughs) Emphasis on supposed to be. (laughs) He's not. No. It's very good to have captions on when you're watching this movie because otherwise. Here's the thing. Sometimes the captions don't even know what he's saying. I spotted (laughs) several instances where the subtitles were just blatantly wrong based on context. Like I was able to guess what he was supposed to be saying, but the subtitles had made the wrong guess. He wants to talk directly to M. Bison because he's like, M. Bison is probably watching this feed right now on his giant wall of monitors. <laughs> I want to talk to that bastard. And lo and behold. He is. He is. <laughs> he does that thing where it's flipping off Bison, but it's where you put your hand on your arm and, and flex it really fast. I don't know what that's actually called. I don't know what that's called either. It's, it definitely doesn't read like he's flipping him off it just reads as though he's doing some kind of like weird flex thing 
Especially because that's the arm that his American flag patch is on. Although we don't see that. Well, we see the patch. We don't see the tattoo he has on underneath yet. No, the tattoo that he has on in the exact same place, but on his skin. Yes. He's American. We had to communicate this as many times as possible. (laughs) Otherwise, how is the audience to know? There's literally no way of knowing. That's not sarcasm. There's literally no way of knowing (laughs) what country he's supposed to be from. (laughs) So we have this sequence here where we pretend that TVs work a different way than they do. (laughs) Because DJ hacks the live television feed, puts on the M. Bison logo, and then M. Bison shows up on TV like he's being filmed by someone. (laughs) And not only that, but the guy is looking directly into a video camera at this point, but he reacts to Bison like he can see him. And hear him. Like he's talking to Bison through the camera. Despite the fact that he has no way of doing either of those things. There are no TVs anywhere around him. You know what? Street Fighter is a cartoon movie. Don't worry about it. (laughs) This is a live action cartoon. This is a relatively straightforward movie, but this is the most confusing thing in it. It's okay. There are other people confused by televisions in this movie. Yeah, but at least then it's on purpose. And we will get there. Yes, we will get there. To the best so- character in this fucking movie. <laughs> Guile and Bison basically just have a pissing contest on TV while Guile's number two, who is Cammy from Street Fighter. Played by, again, Kylie Minogue. Pop star. Pop star, really? Yeah, she's an Australian pop star. And she's actually awesome. pretty popular in the UK and America. And yeah, she <laughs> she was by all accounts a consummate professional throughout this entire shoot. And also just a delightful person. And she's actually doing something close to real acting here, which is genuinely impressive. Yeah, she is trying probably more than most of the rest of the cast. And Wikipedia actually says that she was cast as a direct result of the Australian Actors Guild wanting the director to hire an Australian actor. And this was before Chris Hemsworth, so we had Kylie Minogue. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth is usually who you get when you want an Australian in something. Also, he first found out about her from a cover photo of World's 30 Most Beautiful People on Who magazine. And also the only part not cast at that point was that of Cammie's. <laughs> I mean, it worked out. It did. She's very cute. Cammie tries to trace the signal and does that by hijacking the GMT newsman and kicking Honda out. Yeah, Honda's in this movie. The Hawaiian sumo guy. <laughs> Ehan. So they trace the signal, I guess, somehow. I, I guess a news van can do that. <laughs> they trace the signal a little bit. They can't get it the whole way because they cut off too soon. Because Bison wants $20 billion in the next three days for 63 hostages. I don't know what currency that's in. <laughs> Maybe it's in bison bucks just to say screw you to everybody. <laughs> and after bison says this, Guile shouts, No, Charlie, we're coming! Yeah, he starts yelling to like, The hostages, we're here, we're gonna get you. While all bison's men are just straight up Nazi saluting. Charlie, hang on, buddy. Charlie, my good friend Charlie. And Bison (laughs) looks over at, like, this nearby guy's uniform and says, Carlos Blanca. Charlie? Carlos. This man, by the way, is completely expressionless throughout this entire thing. (laughs) 
No emotion. None. He's like a cardboard cutout. He is just standing there. He's not really a sexy lamp. He's just sort of a... He's a nice lamp. Well, no, he's not even a nice lamp. He's a lamp. He's just a lamp. (laughs) He's a lamp. (laughs) He's just a lamp. He's there. He's definitely Guile's boyfriend. It's fine. (laughs) So they don't manage to trace the signal all the way. They just get like a vague area, I guess. There's like some sassing between Chun-Li and Guile. This movie only really has two female characters and it's Cammy and Chun-Li. And of course, they hate each other and are catty. (laughs) Naturally. Because that's what you do when you have two female characters in the room at the same time. Yeah. Because Guile walks off and then Chun-Li is like, oh, he doesn't like women very much, does he? And Cammy's just like, he just doesn't like reporters. I assure you it's an equal opportunity to dislike. And it's like, yeah, certain soldiers hate reporters because the reporters keep reporting on all the war crimes <laughs> that the U.S. Army keeps doing. No, no. No, this is Colonel Guile, Kit. He's a hero. <laughs> He's a hero. What war crimes? It's fine. He won't commit any <laughs> war crimes in this movie. He definitely won't commit any specific war crimes in this movie. He won't commit any specific war crimes in this movie in the next 15 minutes. (laughs) Remember how this movie's called Street Fighter? What if there was a street fight? What if there was an underground fight club? Vega! 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 That's right, Vega's in this movie. Now, most of these characters are going to slowly resemble their video game counterparts. Vega just starts that way. Yeah. (laughs) He is just the most beautiful man on Earth with a metal mask and a claw and does not talk (laughs) near as i can tell at all i'm not sure he has any lines in this movie he doesn't there are a couple of lines attached to him but they're definitely adr okay (laughs) i will not say that he says those lines i will say that those lines are attributed to him as vegas doing his street fight we focus in on two dumbasses entering the area which are ken and ryu right you know the street fighter guys (laughs) Ryu is played by Byron Mann who has been in a lot of cool martial arts stuff over the years although I will admit when I looked him up the thing that I had recognized him from was that scene in the big short Ken is being played by near as I could tell some kind of early version dollar store Sebastian Stan (laughs) he reminds me a lot of the funny uncle from Full House He was the dime store Robin Williams character. Okay. He was the one that Alanis Morissette wrote all those breakup songs about. Okay. Anyway, he's a schlub. Byron Mann takes his shirt off a lot in this movie. Good. The guy playing Ken does not ever. (laughs) Byron Mann worked for this. The guy playing Ken is phoning in literally every minute he's in this movie. Ken also gets the glory of soon saying one of my most confusing lines. Basically, they're here to talk to Sagat about some weapons and get their money and stuff like that. And they show up and Sagat goes with, may I offer you a drink or anything else? And some ladies poke their heads out offering some like sex or something. And Ken replies with, let's skip the Ms. Manners. (laughs) And I was confused by that. There's also an incredibly confusing line here where we're in Sagat's office. He's clearly a very threatening man. He's got an eye patch and no hair. He's terrifying, apparently. And Ken, I think, is like, don't you know there's a curfew? And Sagat says, in Shadaloo City, no one tells me anything. Followed immediately by a curfew bus driving by, letting them know that there's a curfew. And that violators of the curfew will be shot on sight. (laughs) It's also, I'd like to point out that the character of Sagat in the games is Ty, but in this movie, Sagat is being played by Wes Studi, who's a Cherokee actor in 
the possibly weirdest case of finally an indigenous actor plays a non-indigenous character instead of the other way around. Which is also great because there is a character in this movie who is supposed to be Cherokee. I think he is actually played by an indigenous actor, though. Greg Rainwater. Holy shit, there's two indigenous actors in this movie. Holy shit. There are two whole indigenous actors in this movie. They both have lines. And one of them is actually playing an indigenous character. <laughs> they both have roles. They do things. Two indigenous <laughs> and Jesus. Is that allowed? Street Fighter, you guys. <laughs> I'm still just really enamored by the line, in Shadowloo City, no one tells me anything. Because it's clearly <laughs> supposed to be no one tells me what to do, but it sounds like he's just very uninformed. Yeah, he's just out of the loop, chronically. <laughs> Ken and Ryu are looking to get $100,000 in exchange for weapons that they have stashed somewhere and will reveal afterwards where they are once they have been paid and once they have left Sagat's fight club. Do we talk about that? Sagat's actually already got the guns because Ken and Ryu are bad at this. <laughs> yeah, they went and got the guns from where they were being stored. They point the guns at Ken and Ryu. We're about to see someone shot. <laughs> Except they're Nerf guns. They've got tennis balls in them. I'm not sure if that gets the Nerf seal of quality, but the, they are guns that fire <laughs> tennis balls. You know, the Nerf authenticity. Oh, uh, you're right. It is Nerf or nothing. <laughs> you know, I'm not really clear what Ken and Rhea's deal are. They're like arms dealers, but they have really actually well-made fake guns. They look exactly like real guns. Later on, there's the whole, I'm going to explain to you what your character is scene, where we get told that they're con men who emotionally handle it by only conning criminals, but I don't know. <laughs> the important thing is, Ken and Ryo both can do fights because they're street fighters. Yep. Yeah, and also later, they talk about having the same sensei. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't get a name. No. <laughs> they just had a sensei. I'm going to believe, personally, that the sensei was the guy in Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> they just went to that little dojo. I think his name was Rex. Anyway, they're trying to bring, like, martial arts to a gunfight, so it doesn't really go very well. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> and they get captured. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's only the start of the movie. They're not going to kill off Ken and Ryu immediately. Right. They're, like, the main characters in Street Fighter. <laughs> I don't mean the movie. They're definitely not the main characters in the movie, but they are the Street Fighter guys. They are not the main characters in this movie. The Jean-Claude Damme is in this movie. They spent $8 million on him. He has, he has got to be the main character. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the real main character, M. Bison, goes to <laughs> yeah. his secret laboratory. Dr. Del Sim, how was your research today? Jesus Christ. The same. Warped. Corrupted, my science twisted to serve perversion instead of peace. After I crush my enemies, we'll see about getting you published. Oh, God. <laughs> that should cheer you up. <laughs> Hang on a second. Hang on a second. He's, a, he's got a doctorate. That means by definition, he has at the very least written two theses, which by definition have to be published. <laughs> Yeah, but these will be published in Bison magazines. Yeah, exactly, which are worth more than regular magazines. Or are we saying that he's not, he's not a- Once he kidnaps the editor-in-chief of Newsweek. <laughs> so are we saying that he is not a PhD of science and is instead just a medical doctor? Is that what we're implying by the fact that he hasn't been published? Oh, he could just be a medical doctor. Oh, God. 
He's got chains around his neck and wrists. Pay attention to that. Right. He's got those because dollism in the video game has rings or something. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I guess the chains keep him from nothing. They're just attached to each other. He can walk around. He's not chained to anything. He's not anchored. They don't even limit his range of movement, like, at all. No, they're just kind of kicky jewelry. They've got Blanca, Carlos Blanca. I don't know why he's called Charlie. His, his name is clearly Carlos. It sounds like maybe Guile, the American guy, was just like, Carlos is too hard. I'm just going to call you Charlie. He's in a tube. Charlie, slash Blanca, is being forced to watch war and violence on his headset <laughs> to become the perfect soldier. It's merely educational software. Why does he find it disturbing? <laughs> And the best part is that as they're talking, some other scientists wheel over this cart with like these <laughs> IV bags, these monstrously huge <laughs> IV bags. Two of them say saline solution. Like they're lime green, neon orange. And they say in gigantic letters so they can be read on screen, DNA mutagens. <laughs> now it doesn't say what kind of DNA mutagens, just that they're DNA mutagens. Use extreme caution. The bright orange ones say anabolic plasma warning toxic at high doses. They're like gigantic IV bags. So they've got little drips that are ostensibly supposed to go in the tube or attached to Charlie or something. Yeah, we never see any needles go into Blanca. He just has to watch movies. They just have to be in the room with him. It's fine. <laughs> They're contagious. Meanwhile, back at the fight club. We have the Carmen theme playing. You know, Habanero or Lamore Un Waso Rebel or whatever you call it. Everybody knows it. My name is Vega and I am hot. <laughs> yeah. I am a pretty boy. I've got a mask. And Ryu's in the street fight arena with him. There's this whole shindig with Sagat going, you fight next kin. And then meanwhile, a, a lady goes around and makes sure to rip off Ryu's shirt. So he's shirtless versus also shirtless Vega. Oh my God. So this audience is full of like ladies and like moms. Horny moms. One of them sees Ryu's shirt ripped Ryu's off. Ryu's shirtless and she throws away her Vega sign. And they cut to Vega who's like, oh. <gasps> <And he gasps. gasps> This entire scene is just weird showboating. It's basically these two shirtless men showing off. There's no actual fight. When we start getting to the actual fight, they charge each other, and that's the very moment that an AN bus drives through the wall. This is a silent scene. We've got, like, almost the entirety of Habanera. It takes five minutes of showboating and just general, like, showing off. No weapons. Oh, my God. And then as soon as the you do, da-dun-dun-dun, crash! In comes a tank loaded with missiles. <laughs> and then Guile pops out the top and says everyone's under arrest. It's fine. Nobody needs to report on this. It's fine. It's fine. This is a perfectly fine use of a tank. This is perfectly legal. It's not a war crime at all. No, it's fine. Guile's a hero. An American hero. Cut straight to the AN base while we have a guy going, Good morning, Shadaloo! Don't worry, that's going to be a recurring joke over the end of the movie. Yeah, isn't this like the actual guy who was the Vietnam DJ? Oh god, maybe. I hope so. The AN Forces radio DJ is played by Adrian Cronauer, whose exploits as an armed forces radio DJ in Vietnam were dramatized in Good Morning Vietnam. They got the actual Good Morning Vietnam guy to say Good Morning Shadaloo. Yes, they did. They absolutely <laughs> did. They spent $8 million on Jean-Claude Van Damme, and they said, 
let's get the real alive guy who actually said good morning Vietnam. Yes. Yes. I love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) They get their money's worth out of him, too. He is constantly yelling stuff over scenes. Yeah, he's just making crap up all the time. I don't think they actually gave him any lines. I think they just told him to do whatever the hell he wanted. And he keeps telling, like, bad, lame Charlie jokes. What does it say on the bottom of a bison soldier's pop bottle? And it says, open other end. (laughs) Womp womp. So they're talking about trying to assault M. Bison's base. This little meeting of officers. Will the assault be by land, sea, or air, says a character that we are supposed to know. (laughs) Never going to see again. No, no, we see him a lot, actually. He's just constantly here. Oh. This is Captain Sawada. Captain Uh Sawada is a character that seems to have been made up just for this movie, played by a man named Kenya Sawada. According to behind-the-scenes stuff from this movie, this was part of Capcom's deal. They wanted Kenya Sawada to show up in this movie. They wanted heavily to promote him by any means possible. Some people had the impression that they were trying to make him the face of Capcom to, like, star in their own movies later on. He was already, like, kind of like a martial arts action movie guy at that point. But, like, this movie acts like we're supposed to know him. <laughs> <laughs> he is constantly here, and also all of his English lines are dubbed in, because apparently the actor was not that great at English at the time. Which is amazing, because they dubbed in his lines, but they also made sure that it was dubbed in by a guy who clearly had a Japanese accent. The fascinating thing is that in the one scene where Sawara is speaking Japanese, his acting is actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. But anytime he's called upon to speak English, all of his acting is getting bottlenecked behind the fact that he's basically learned this line by ear. So as a result, like, English Sawada and Japanese Sawada seem like entirely different characters. Yeah, he's actually, like, charming later on when he's actually speaking himself. It's like they didn't even give him a good enough stage direction for what this line was supposed to be in Japanese, so he didn't even have, like, the context for it, I swear. Yeah, like every scene he speaks in English, he just stands up from somewhere and just says it. So here's a fun thing. Sawada actually appears in two video games, and it is Street Fighter the movie, the video game, the arcade game, and Street Fighter the movie, the video game, the home console game, which are apparently, they're not port. They are two completely different games built like from the ground up with like different mechanics and stuff. But Sawada is in it. And Lucas actually sent me a link to his finisher, which I need you guys to look at. I know it's not good radio, but I feel like you need this context, too, because I can't stop thinking about it. Okay, it's playing. So he just party boys people to death. (laughs) He just sort of puts his arms up and shoots across the screen. And hits them with his abs, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. You'd almost think it would be a pelvic thrust, but it's not. It's not. Oh my god. And that is how he kills people. And the best thing is that his victory <laughs> pose is just, he puts his arms just straight up in the air, like a little kid being like, I won! It looks like he's going to start party boying you next <laughs> in the audience. Yeah, it does definitely look like that. It's a little terrifying. <laughs> the whole video game was done with mocap of a lot of the actors from the movie, but some of the people they couldn't get back, and also some of the characters like... Akuma was in this, a regular Street Fighter character that was not in the movie, but they put him in the video game as like a secret character. And his mocap was done by Ernie Reyes Sr., who is the father of Ernie Reyes Jr., you may guess, who is like the friend in Ninja Turtles 2. (laughs) He was the human friend, and also he starred in Surf Ninjas, which is a movie I love, but we can't get into that right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, this will turn into a Surf Ninjas episode so fucking quick. <laughs> hey, I've never made any of you fuck watch Surf Ninjas yet. No, you made me watch Surf Ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right, I did! <laughs> I'm sorry. We've known each other in person a very long time. Anyway. Back to the meeting where, like, a chef walks in and gets his ID checked. And then walks in and tries to stab Guile. <laughs> like, pretty much immediately. Basically immediately. There's an immediate assassination attempt. Like, a big flashy one. He's in a chef's uniform. He's got, like, a knife. He's gonna try to kill Guile. And then Guile punches him out. And he's like, any new business? <laughs> It's worth noting that Guile knocks the guy out by sweeping the leg. Uh, that's going to be very important to some people in our audience. It is. <laughs> the assassin also, it turns out, has a tattoo of a snake wrapped around a dagger. <laughs> this cool, unique tattoo is the tattoo that Sagat has because they're part of the Shadaloo Tong. Which means that they're discussing then we need to infiltrate the Tong because the Tong have access to bison. And also, Sagat is just in prison. Yeah. Vega and Sagat, they're just in prison. Ken and Rio are also in yeah. prison now. <laughs> Vega has made a bamboo shiv version <laughs> of his Wolverine claw. His claws. It's the greatest thing. Like, he does not know how to fight with any other weapon. That's it. <laughs> Ken and Ryu, of course, get surrounded by the Tong gang who all want to attack them and start getting attacked. And, in jail. In jail. And Ryu just rips off his shirt again. <laughs> no provocation. <laughs> he just does it. It's fine. Listen, Byron Man worked really hard for that six pack. He's going to show it off. He did. And Vega pulls on his cardboard claws and comes forward and starts attacking, which is when above their heads... We have Guile stick his head through and go, who are those two men? <laughs> if Sagat won't trust new friends, perhaps he'll trust new enemies. Which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> that is pure nonsense he is saying out of his very American mouth. <laughs> I can't get over Vega in these prison scenes. He is clearly immediately settled into his role as, like, the pretty fuck boy. He is content with that. He does not have his mask. He has to show his face. He's going to flaunt it. He spends a lot of time flipping his hair haughtily over his shoulder. And, like, posing sexily, like, by flexing his pecs and then, like, tilting his head sideways so everybody can see how pretty his face is. He is the eye candy here. Dude has a French braid. <laughs> it's not a simple plait. It is a French braid all down the back of his head. He, that is complex shit. He had a mirror. He put a lot of work into that. <laughs> he is gonna show it off, goddammit. Just a weird, mute, pretty boy. I have a couple of rules for any subsequent Street Fighter movies, which is that Vega should be on screen at all times. If Vega's not on screen, <laughs> people should constantly be asking, where's Vega? <laughs> he should be hottier and prettier and have access to a time machine. <laughs> okay, also... We cut back to the lab for like five seconds. Oh, God. Yeah, just to confirm that, yes, Blanca's still in the tube. His muscle mass has increased by 49%. So Dalsum just kind of wanders around and frets at monitors. There's like a fat guy in the back with a tiny mustache and a little braid who's like, I guess, the guard in this room. He He's in this movie a lot. Later on, he looks at porn a whole lot. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's literally a scene in this. We'll get to it. I wrote it down. Guile has singled out Ken and Rio. They're still in their prison scrubs, which are like blue, I guess. 
and he takes them through the refugee camp to very unsubtly guilt them into helping him. (laughs) (laughs) This is where we get the I'm going to explain your character to you scene, where they explain that these guys are con men, but they only con bad guys, so it's fine. And they're like, okay, cool, can we leave? And Guile puts his hands on their shoulders and says, the only way you two are leaving is over my dead body. (gasps) Foreshadowing. (laughs) Is that what that is? You know what? It's really hard to tell if anything he says is on purpose, but I'm going to choose to believe (laughs) that it is foreshadowing for a very cool plan. Did they even give Jean-Claude Van Damme a script? Ooh, good question. (laughs) Is this all just unfiltered Jean-Claude Van Damme? Is this just things he decided to say? (laughs) Are these just his cool guy lines? I missed pointing it out when we first saw Jean-Claude Van Damme, but they've dyed his hair blonde for this, but they did that thing where they left the dye in for too long, so it is orange. Yeah, he has orange hair. Guile, the Street Fighter character, is blonde. This man is orange. It's not a great look on him. He cannot do orange. But they did not have time to fix it, so orange it is. They already spent $9 million on him. They did not spend that much money on the hair dye. <laughs> <laughs> they just got some shit from the drugstore. It's fine. I forgot how stupid Guile's hair is in the games. This is very bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. The flat top to end all flat tops. Oh, good lord. It's like a mesa. They are transporting prisoners to question mark. Sagat and Vega and Ken and Ryu are going on this truck. Sagat turns to Guile and he's like, you can't do this. I own this city. And Guile looks at him and says, well, I'm the repo man and you're out of business. They definitely did not give him a script. He's just saying whatever (laughs) cool guy stuff comes to mind. So Ken and Ryu start very clearly fake fighting. A guard breaks it up and they have stolen the keys for the chains that they're all in. Vega also flips his hair as he gets into the van. It's amazing. Of course he does. He's such a bitch. (laughs) He's a mean girl. It's the best. (laughs) So as they're sitting in the truck, Ken and Ryu start unlocking their chains. Sagat is like, hey, come on, like, let's be pals. But let's be enemies? What did Guile say? Are we new enemies? Is that a thing that's happening? (laughs) Anyway, they relent and throw the keys over. And then a prison truck break happens. During which, as the truck is driving away, Ken leans out and with a gun, shoots Guile. And it's on film. Yeah, Guile literally leaps in front of the charging truck with a gun and just starts firing more bullets (laughs) than I'm sure are in that gun at the truck in the hopes of doing something. Yeah, it's not like he's aiming for the tires or anything or like for the windshield. He is just shooting at the general area of the truck. And then he gets shot. By Ken. Chun-Li, meanwhile, standing aside watching all of this in a panic. She's got this all on film. And she's like, oh my god, we need to get that truck also. So she does this little dodge roll that she didn't really need to do. (laughs) But also a tracking beacon ends up in the canvas on the side of the truck. And by tracking beacon, we mean her wireless (laughs) microphone. Because that's how wireless microphones work. It absolutely is. Anyway, Kyle's dead. Oh no. Oh no. All those $8 million. <laughs> Definitely poorly spent. Completely dead. More importantly, time for an embison scene. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my it's god. Oh my got god. one of my oh favorite god. speeches in this whole movie in it. It's maybe the best scene in the whole movie. So it's important to know that bison space is underground and is built below a temple or just a ruin. And he's like, the temple above us was one of the wonders of the ancient world. Bisonopolis will be the wonder of my world. 
and he's like right in front of this model he's in front of the city model and he's turning to an architect and he's like but i think the food court should be larger all the big franchises would want in he wants the food court to be larger because this movie is from the 90s Annie, how much of your notes for this are just verbatim bison lines? Um, 98%. (laughs) My best part of this is that the news report comes in that Guile is dead. Mm -hmm. DJ pops in with, oh, hey, that's good news. Guile is dead. On the contrary. I mourn. And DJ's just like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he knows not to get into this. Yeah, Yeah. he just, it's very much a (laughs) taking your hands off of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. DJ's like, I'm just going to stand back here and nod, man. That is definitely the, my boss is a bonehead, but I can't get a better job reaction. <laughs> I am trying not to get him to go on another monologue. Oh, God damn it. Here we go. Oh, God, he's going on another monologue. <laughs> <laughs> this was the moment when Kit was over and I forced her to watch Street Fighter. This is the moment when I was like, hooked. <laughs> yes. Just DJ's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good you guys okay so do we do we just i just do we all have it written down the whole speech <laughs> i do i have no written notes for that i feel like they wouldn't do this movie justice <laughs> okay oh my god all right on the contrary i mourn and then bison just sort of like turns to the camera and he like soliloquies <laughs> I was hoping to face Guile personally on the battlefield, one gentleman warrior to another, in respectful combat. Then I would snap his spine. Ah, the road not taken. (laughs) But why? Why do they still call me a warlord? (laughs) And it cuts to DJ, and he's just like, and he's making this face like, well... (laughs) (laughs) He's not interrupting, he doesn't want... (laughs) It's worth noting in every DJ shot, Zangief is in the background being really, really into the speech. Yeah. Yes, Zangief is in this movie. This is Zangief's, like, first, yeah. like... Major scene. He's been in, like, the background of a few. Zangief is, of course, one of my favorite characters in this stupid film. I love him so much. Zangief is one of the best characters in Street Fighter yeah. because they said, we need to have a gay character in Street Fighter, and they looked at this giant hairy bear, and they said, yes, him. <laughs> This giant hairy dumbass bear. He is canonically gay. He is a canonically big stupid gay bear. <laughs> he is the best. Capcom coming through with the himbo representation. <laughs> <laughs> I did not write down any of like the inflection on here, but it's just like, why do they call me a warlord and mad? All I want to do is to create the perfect genetic soldier. <laughs> Not for power, not for evil, but for good. (laughs) Carlos Blanco will be the first of many. They so march out of my laboratory and sweep away every adversary. And at this point, he yanks on his cloak and there's a loud clank. (laughs) Every creed, every nation, until the very planet is in the loving grip of the Pax Bisonica. And there's a pause as the cinematography pans. And then peace will reign in the world, and all humanity shall bow to me in humble gratitude. And we've got freaking Zangief starts clapping with tears in his eyes, and DJ just looks so tired. And we pan up to his bisonopolis that's framed around a skull. 
It's his logo. He it's made a his city logo. like his logo, a big winged skull. And Zenki was like, that was beautiful. <laughs> tears in his eyes. I love him. And DJ just looks at him. <laughs> Look, people will tell you that the It Was Tuesday thing was one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, They'll tell you it was absolutely the best. And they're mostly right. It Was Tuesday is incredible. It's one of the best things ever. But this scene, this monologue, this is where you realize that Raul Julian knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> he knows what kind of movie this is. And he is going to devour this entire set. He's going to eat it all. Just cram it in his mouth. <laughs> I really do just put him and Vincent Price in the same category of these amazing actors who know exactly what kind of movie they're in, and they're just going to act their hardest and have the most fun with it. Meanwhile, back in Shadowloo City. I was like, what the fuck happens after this scene? Is there even the rest of the movie after this? <laughs> of course there is. We have to get to Zangief's greatest line. Chun Li is like looking at the feed with Honda and Balrog, her news guys, by the way, you know, the sumo man and the boxer man. Which also, this prompted a line from my roommate who walked in in the middle of watching this movie after having not realized I was watching it. And he stared for a moment and he goes, Okay, so that's Chun Li and Honda. Is the other guy in Street Fighter? He goes, That's Balrog. And he stared for a moment and goes, Balrog's in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> what their news broadcasting van is telling them <laughs> is that there is a second homing device on the truck that Chun Li put her wireless microphone in and it is scrambling their signal, but they can analyze this second signal and figure out where the signal is coming from. And I would like to bring up the people talking to each other through the TV scene because I feel like this might actually be the least sensical thing in the whole movie. <laughs> But they do it, they use their news television van with monitors on it to track a second signal back to AN headquarters. Where Chun-Li's gonna sneak in in a ninja outfit. In the middle of the day. For reasons. And pull out her giant... Beeping GPS. That tracks signals. I guess. She sneaks out of their van with a bunch of guys who are standing right next to the van. A bunch of soldiers. None of them look up. Nope. None of them tilt their heads like five degrees up. And it turns out that AN keeps all of its homing device tracking hardware in the basement in the morgue. Right. Why do they keep it there? Maybe the surfers need to be cold? Honestly, that's not the dumbest thing in the scene. <laughs> As we'll find out in a couple of minutes. Yeah, so remember how Guile's dead? <laughs> Guile's body's just in the morgue. You know, where dead bodies are because Guile's dead. And he's definitely dead. 100% dead. Chin Lee takes off the sheet and is like, oh, it's Guile. And covers it back up and turns back around. And the body sits up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they faked his death with squibs. And then they decided to just leave him in the morgue for like six hours to really sell it. He had to stay down there the whole time. Never mind that anybody who needed to be deceived on that front was already gone for a while. He had to stay down there. <laughs> just pretending to be dead. For nobody. This room was empty. He just needed a nap, guys, okay? 
So like he sits up and he's like, blah, I'm not actually dead. And she's like, ugh. And then we do this thing, which happens in the entire movie, which is everyone is horny for Chun-Li. Yep. And it doesn't make any sense. And he's like, we have to arrest you, take you to the prison or whatever we do with journalists. And T-Hawk and Cammy are suddenly here. Yeah. And they start taking her out. And she's like, no, I don't want a story about Bison. I want his head. And then she's like, you don't understand. And he's like, I understand better than you know. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not the exact freaking line. It's amazing. He's like, I understand better than you know. This war is not about your personal vendetta. And he turns dramatically. It's about mine. <laughs> you know, at least he's honest with himself. <laughs> Cammy and Chin Lee snipe at each other again because they're female characters in the same shot. He's like, black isn't your color. Prison gray, perhaps? The uniforms are blue? Anyway. Maybe the women's prison has different uniforms. Maybe. Chun Li escapes, basically. She just like kicks him and then she jumps through a whole ass window. <laughs> <laughs> and we have T Hawk and Cammy run up to the window as Chun Li lands and runs away. T Hawk goes, What a screw up in like the weirdest line read I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and then Guile just dramatically like puts his hands on their shoulders and leans through so his head's further and he's like leaning over them with his chest pressed to their shoulders and he goes, what a woman! My favorite part is that as Chun-Li's running away, you can hear like dubbed in lines from Cammy and T-Hawk being like, no, wait, stop, <laughs> stop, don't run, no, stop. <laughs> like somebody during the editing process was like, hey, you know what? We need more people talking over this. <laughs> And I mean, like, the looks that they give Guile after he says, what a woman. Kit, I think you're right. I don't think he had a script. <laughs> that is genuinely Kylie Minogue and Greg Rainwater looking at Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like, the fuck is this guy doing all the time? <laughs> so we go to the Thieves Market, where everything is covered in handwritten Shadaloo font with the little circles and everything. And there's, like, car salesmen, but for buying helicopters. Yeah, there's, like, a couple of jokey jokes here where, like, the, you know, wacky salesman pitches for, like, stolen helicopters and stuff. And Bison is also throwing a party in a really big tent, and he has not booked any of the entertainment because here's clearly Chun-Li and Honda and Balrog. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a circus act? I guess they have a whole circus act. Circus act that involves the participation of the venue. Because at some point Chun-Li descends from a ceiling. The ceiling in the tent. It's fine. The it's low fine. tent. The low tent with the... Don't worry about it. It's fine. Anyway, she's here to dance for some reason. I don't know why she needed them to know she was there, why she needed to be there to really stake anything out. But they're here. And everyone's ogling her. They're just here now. Yeah, it's fine. As they're carrying her around, there's some really awkward, like, ADR of them muttering to each other about, like, the explosive finale. <laughs> there's so much ADR in this movie, and I'm starting to wonder if, like, that was just, like, a genuine audio problem on set. Like, they filmed this in a tin shed, and the audio came out terrible, so they had to dub everything. Or maybe somebody just went in afterwards and was like, you need to actually have people talking about things so it feels like there's continuity. Obviously, Chun-Li and Honda and Balrog leave. In come some belly dancers, and Bison and Sagat decide to get down to business. Chun-Li makes eyes at Ken, and he's like, maybe I can get down to business. And Ryu's just trying to talk about their sensei and remind them that they have a backstory. <laughs> Bison offers to share Shadaloo with Sagat. Sagat's like, I would rather have money. And then Bison is like, oh, I have money. <laughs> 
Meanwhile, Ryo and Ken have been grabbed by Chun Li. It doesn't matter because here comes the crate full of bison dollars. <laughs> he has made money. He has printed it with Raul Julia's face. And Sagat is not a fan of this at all. Nope. He's like, this money isn't worth the paper it's printed on. And then Bison says one of the greatest things in the movie. <laughs> on the contrary, every Bison dollar will be worth five British pounds. <laughs> that is the exchange rate the Bank of London will set after I've kidnapped their queen. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even the plot of this movie. <laughs> That's just an offhand plan he has. You'd think that if you throw that down, that it would be revealed at the end of the movie that, yeah, his plan was to kidnap the queen, or maybe he successfully kidnapped the queen. But no, this just said, and you never come back to it again. He's already printed all this money. Also, I'm pretty sure this is how Bitcoin works. <laughs> yes, this is almost definitely how Bitcoin works. The only bad thing about this is that they're called bison dollars, not what they should be called, which is clearly bison bucks. Exactly. They should be bison bucks. Sagat hates this, clearly. He throws bison's Monopoly money into the fire. Which immediately kind of starts a fight. Meanwhile, Ryu and Ken have been, like, tied up or something by Chun-Li and the gang. And Ryu is like, I know your backstories! <laughs> <laughs> Honda almost made Yokozuna as a sumo before the Shadaloo Tong destroyed his reputation. No more details will follow. <laughs> They did the same to Balrog's boxing career. No details will follow. That's really all you need. It's fine. Yeah. So anyway, now comes the next best scene in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ken and Ryu come back into the room and everyone is ready to be at each other's throats. And suddenly they hear a noise. They hear Chun-Li talking from a secret box, a secret circus act box that has a TV in it. I don't know who's filming this. <laughs> It's on a tripod. It's fine. Are you sure? <laughs> it's on a tripod on a track. It's fine. While they are filmed by a tripod on a track, they're like, hey guys, we've got a truck full of explosives or something, and it's coming right towards your tent right now. And then there's like a steady cam shot following the truck <laughs> as it charges towards the tent. They see the truck heading towards them. They look back at the TV. They're all horrified. And Zanki, beautiful, sweet Zanki. <laughs> He looks at it, and he yells, Quick! Change the channel! <laughs> and then DJ just looks at him. Everyone turns to look at him while he is staring very earnestly at the tiny television. <laughs> According to Zangief, he has thought of the only solution. <laughs> I love Zangief so much. Oh my god, he's such a beautiful, stupid buff man. He's a good boy. He's a very good boy. I love him so much. I don't really know anything about the guy who played Zangief, but this guy absolutely gets it. <laughs> so there's a big explosion, but everybody's fine, I guess. And we do this thing where we cut really quickly to a satellite feed that says, everybody's been captured, don't worry about it. <laughs> and we've tracked Chun-Li, I guess, don't worry about it. We go to Bison's base. Most of our characters are here now. Bison is like, let's give you a tour. Ken and Ryu get you a change of clothes because you are honored guests. Sagat and Vega are guests. Honda and Balrog go get tortured. <laughs> Chun-Li goes to my private quarters for a <laughs> private interview. Hey. 
I'm very confused about any kind of attempt on Raul Julia's part to make M. Bison seem horny. <laughs> I mean, the man played Gomez Adams in two movies. But M. Bison, it's weird. You know, Gomez Adams, horniest man alive. For his wife. But only for his wife. But only for his wife. Which, you know, understandable. Very understandable. Everyone's horny for Angelica Houston. That's just a fact. So as Chun-Li is dragged away, she spits on Ken and Ryu. Ken wipes it off with his horrible tie. (laughs) (laughs) He's been wearing a tie and a vest over a blue denim shirt this whole time. Oh, God. I don't think we've really gone over how terrible Ken's outfit is and how much of a schlub he is. Nothing can fit tight either because, like, again, clearly he did not work out for this role. Yeah. Everything's baggy on him. (laughs) Cut back to the hostage pit to remind you that the hostage (laughs) pit exists. (laughs) Another good line is as they're walking away, Ken goes, it sucks. Those guys are good guys. Like us. (laughs) Lately, I don't feel very good, says says Ryu. (laughs) Just, I love this cartoon ass movie. We're good guys. (laughs) So we cut to a meeting debrief. Where the AN is preparing to assault Bison's base, and the first thing that Guile says is, an attack from the air is impossible. They don't go into why. But the reason why is because they couldn't afford helicopters. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I believe the Thai government wouldn't let them use the airspace. Yeah. Attack from the air is impossible. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Stealth mode. The best part is that the way they approach the boat attack is written exactly the same as if it were a plane attack. (laughs) Exactly the same. (laughs) To the point where they have a stealth boat. (laughs) This is also the place where Sawada has another line, and he's like, a single boat against everything he's got. The pilot would have to be out of his mind. Guile's just like, yeah. I'm cool. It me. I pilot the boat. (laughs) I make boat go toot toot. Stealth boat. Stealth boat. (laughs) Stealth boat. With his name on it. It is a stealth boat that has his name emblazoned across the side. I cannot emphasize this enough. That's his stealth boat. This is my stealth boat with my name on it, but the better with which to commit crimes. (laughs) It's fine. Kyle's an American hero. He doesn't commit any war crimes. (laughs) So we cut back to see Honda and Balrog getting tortured in just an old-fashioned dungeon. Yeah, it's just straight up a torture dungeon. They borrowed a torture dungeon from another movie, and it's here <laughs> yep. now. The guy is trying to torture Honda by beating him with birch sticks, basically. Anytime he beats them, Honda is shown just kind of fiddling and kind of messing with his nails and clearly not feeling it. Picking his teeth. It makes the Hawaiian stringed instrument noise, so you know he's Hawaiian. And Balrog is laughing hysterically at Honda not feeling the pain. And the torture guy gets all pissy and leaves. And then Balrog is like, Oh man, your back's all bloody. How do you do that? And Honda goes, I'm sumo, brother. My mind can be in one place and my body another. The man in black defense. (laughs) Balrog is like, next time your mind gets back, tell it to bring us a pizza. (laughs) We've not even been in here two days, man. Oh, no, no, no. We can't linger on the line about the pizza because immediately he's like, okay, give me a hand. And Honda says, we've only been in prison two hours, maybe next month. It's a situational homosexuality joke. (laughs) Hooray. Oh, I just realized it's a homosexual joke. (laughs) What did you think that joke was about? I thought it was about breaking out of prison. Like, we can't do it yet because we have to wait a month. Why does that make any sense? It's about hand jobs. Oh, well, 
my brain just learned that today. To be fair, I had never actually caught that line until last night. My brain was still trying to deal with the pizza line. See, my brain always just took it as, oh, because they can't break out yet, because in a prison movie, you have to wait a month. No, it was- Why do you have to wait a month? So that the guards put their guard down. How did we do a whole ass heist episode in Gem Jammer with this? I don't know. <laughs> Keep in mind how well the heist went, relatively. <laughs> and also the fact that it did not go as a heist. It became a guided tour. <laughs> This is entirely in character for Mackenzie. <laughs> yes. Promised future hand jobs aside. <laughs> He's like, oh, take this chain. And then they both pull. And then it immediately comes out of the side of the wall because this is an old timey torture dungeon. Nothing is anchored. It's fine. It's all drywall. It's fine. <laughs> it's all drywall. It's all load bearing drywall. <laughs> as evidence later in the movie. <laughs> Meanwhile... Ryu and Ken have been given cool new outfits, which are the training geef that Bison has, and they are conveniently red and white, so now they look like they're video game characters. Every character in the movie is going to spend the next hour steadily looking more and more like their video game counterparts. It's really good. Zangief gives them a little tour of the gym, and he's like, this is where we train in our struggle against the tyranny of the allied nations. There's propaganda posters up all over the place. It's fascinating. I want these. Whose job was it to make the the bison propaganda posters for this movie? Because they did a really good job. I have gone on record, and I will say it again. I want all of these bison propaganda posters. <laughs> They're all written in Shadaloo font. I really like the Terrorista <laughs> one. <laughs> because it's been established that everyone here speaks English. They just write funny. What language is that supposed to be? It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. Zangief, our big beautiful boy, is here, and he gives them a sideways thumb. It's not a thumbs up. It's not a thumbs down. It's just a, a sideways, sideways thumb. thumb. Nobody told him how to do it properly. He's a dumb boy. He's our himbo. It's fine. He's a beautiful, big, dumb baby. <laughs> He's a wonderful idiot, and we love him. He is precious. They look like their video game counterparts now. That important scene is over. Now we come to one of the best scenes in the movie. I know I said that about a lot, but this one is amazing. Everyone is assembled to go to war and go fight Bison. But here comes a car with a small nevish man in his suit. <laughs> this character is played by Simon Callow. Anytime a movie needs like a stuffy British bureaucrat to come in and be a problem for the true American heroes, <laughs> it's Simon Callow. That's literally his entire IMDb is this role over and over again. He's flanked by two other people in, like, fancy business outfits. And he is here to say that, no, you cannot go to war. How dare you want to fight? This is my least favorite part of any 90s movie, is the part where our heroic soldiers are about to go off and kick some ass, and some UN bureaucrat who, you know, tries to stop war crimes comes in <laughs> and is like, no, don't do a war crime. <laughs> Yeah, he is the man who is here to wag his finger at you. He's the stuffy upper crust guy in the surfer movie who doesn't get the youth. We're going to negotiate. We believe we can negotiate with him. We're going to pay the 20 billion ransom. And he's like, no, but I want to go to a war crime. <laughs> and we have this line where the guy's like, Colonel, have you lost your mind? And Guile turns to him and says, no, you've lost your balls. <laughs> no script. Yeah, that subtext just got turned into text. <laughs> Only cowards use sub. It's just Jean-Claude Van Damme. I know other war criminals who use subtext. <laughs> They're all cowards. 
Bison gives this speech, and this is the Bison speech for the movie. He speaks so much, and it's basically like, well, everyone, as he has been relieved of command, the war is canceled. We can all go home. Bison will be paid. Our friends will have died for nothing, but we can all go home. And then he goes, meanwhile, ideals like peace, freedom, and justice, they get packed up, but we can all go home. Well, I'm not going home. I'm going to get in my boat, and I'm going to go upriver, and I'm going to kick that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard that the next bison wannabe is going to feel it. Now, who wants to go home, and who wants to go with me? It does all these cuts throughout this whole monologue of, like, a whole bunch of soldiers being like, Yeah! Teary eyes. Yeah, I want to go fight and die. <laughs> I love the military-industrial complex. Yeah! <laughs> Yay, imperialism! Woo! I'm gonna go kill people! Yeah! And so they all cheer, and they basically are all acting without any supervision at this point. The nevish businessman frets. They cheer, they go pack up, there's chaos ensuing. There is focus on one of the nevish businessman's companions, who is a lady in a floral dress. For some reason, the camera keeps focusing on her, such as when she's running, carrying a shoe wildly in the air, waving it in the air. And then yeah, she's removed a shoe. And later, as she gets to the dock and she watches Guile climb into his Guile boat, we just see her putting her hands on her hips and shaking her head and sighing dramatically. She's now got both shoes at that point. Yeah. I'm not sure why she's removed her shoes in this panic, (laughs) but she is distressed. (laughs) Guile jumps into his stealth boat. Which has his name on it. Again, we cannot emphasize this enough. The stealth boat has his name on it. (laughs) And he's like, Colonel, stop these men. And he's like, well, I would like to, but someone just canned me. So now they're all acting, you know, as absolute terrorists at this point. Would that be what this is? Yeah. Yeah. This is actual terrorism. The Terry Stowe poster was right. (laughs) (laughs) And now we get to the Chun-Li bison scene. Chun-Li has been changed into a new outfit, which is a red lace chingsam. It's a red version of her usual blue outfit. Her arms are sort of bound in, like, kink bracelets. But we start the scene by focusing on a beautiful portrait of Bison riding a horse with a flowing mane. It's the Napoleon painting, but it's Bison. As all scenes should start, frankly, in my opinion. (laughs) I also want this portrait. (laughs) I want to just bedeck my house in Bison art. I especially want the painting later. We'll talk about that when we actually show it. Chun-Li describes her backstory to Bison as he silently changes out of his cape and his pauldrons and into a color-coded robe and a smoking jacket and he changes out his regular hat for i guess his casual hat (laughs) (laughs) it's red (laughs) and as she finishes her backstory bison says i'm sorry but i don't remember any of it she's like you don't remember and he's like been mixing her a drink he hands her a drink (laughs) It's got bison logo swizzle sticks. She's like, you don't remember? For you, the day bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) It was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Nothing about this movie would work if Raul Julia wasn't selling this as hard as he could. Julie's talking about how Bison, like, ransacked her village and killed her dad. And how emotional it was and how broken up. And for Bison's like, eh, one (laughs) village of hundreds. 
thousands. I don't care. It was 20 years ago. It was Tuesdays. Like, I kill a lot of people's dads. <laughs> and, like, we just end on it was Tuesday. There's almost nothing afterwards. And then we immediately cut to the next scene. Yeah, where Ryu and Ken are walking into the jail cell where they're planning on getting Honda and Balrog out. But Honda and Balrog have freed themselves, so they just immediately grab Ryu and Ken and start strangling them. With chains! With chains! But then it turns out they're on the same side, so they team up. <laughs> and then we come back to Bison's room, where another camera shot reveals that he has a- real can chandelier made of bones! Bones and skulls! <laughs> Human bones and skulls? I want this bone chandelier so bad. Thanks for that style. I will spend money to recreate this entire room someday. Oh, I want the bone chandelier so bad. It's so good. <laughs> and it's like the kind of bone chandelier. It looks like it's made out of the bones that you get from like those Halloween decorations they sell at Target every year of like a snake <laughs> full of bones or like a bird with bone wings or a spider full of bones. Chun-Li delivers more threats and more backstory, like, I've been trying to track you down for ten years, I've been training the martial arts in three different continents, while Bison is super horned up about this. <laughs> He's, like, putting on romantic music. He's setting mood lights. Also, he has a clown self-portrait mulled after one of the John Wayne Gacy clown portraits. Naturally. It's got a Bison hat. <laughs> it's got a Bison hat. What attention to detail. Who said John Wayne Gacy clown portrait? <laughs> Who came to that decision? Like Napoleon Bison painting, certainly. John Wayne Gacy clown portrait? Oh my god. How did they land on that? Oh my god. There's just one set designer who was like, we're gonna go all in on this shit. It's just amazing. Anyway, he turns on mood lighting and Chun Li is like, I'm gonna kill you. And he's like, no, you're not. I haven't seen you do any fights. I know women, and you are harmless. Which immediately Chun-Li replies with, Yata! And flies basically across the room and kicks him into fate. <laughs> she breaks the kink bracelets, <laughs> so now she's got the little studded bracelets from the video game. And then kicks the shit out of him. And she's basically, Chun-Li only loses here because she is momentarily distracted because Balrog and Honda are yelling for her and run into the room. God damn it, the dudes ruin everything. <laughs> Bison just dives into, like, a safe room and starts filling the room they're in with gas. This incredibly ventilated room with doors that have grates on them. I cannot decipher what the expression on Bison's face throughout this entire gassing sequence means. Yeah! Is he grimacing? Is he grinning? Is he excited? Is he just manic? Is he having an episode? He seems very excited, but in a way that I can't decipher. I don't know what this means. We should also point out that his safe room has a clear glass door on it. He just wants to see what's happening. Also, the knockout gas that gets pumped into the room and knocks out everyone, including I think Ken and Ryu as well, makes his huge skull fireplace, like, blow out a puff of flames. <laughs> he has a giant fireplace skull. I love this stupid room. I want to live in this big stupid room. I should probably <laughs> tell my husband that we need to remodel the bedroom. Next time I come over to your house, your entire house is going to be remodeled to look like this next time I go there. Isn't oh, no, 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 no. There's just going to be one room, one room dedicated to the bison room. It's the guest room. Congratulations. You get to sleep in the bison room. Great. With that fucking clown painting. Yeah, with the fucking clown painting. It wouldn't be complete without the clown painting. Yeah. Uh... 
Okay, I just, I'm gonna say this. Meanwhile, back in the stealth boat. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> Captain Salada has some kind of a conversation. I just have his name written here. The important thing is that Guile is going to use this scene to watch some home movies on his stealth boat. Yeah, which is, the radio's playing. It's possibly non-diegetic music, but also, like, it comes out really tinny and weird that makes it sound like it's coming through the stealth boat radio. So they're listening to the radio, and he's going to watch some home movies that he's just got with him. I guess he knew it was going to be a bit of a drive. And it's movies of him and Carlos Blanca double dating. I guess so you are reminded that they're not boyfriends. Gotta make sure he's got a case of the not gays. Yeah, you know. Two dudes sitting around a checkerboard table with two nameless women because they're not gay. I choose to believe that those two <laughs> women are a couple and then it's just Blanca and Guile. Honestly, that makes a lot more sense. I guess that means that we have to go check in on Blanca again. Oh, Christ, do we? Hey, the subject's muscle mass has increased by 71%. <laughs> and then something very important happens because his cerebral download has been halted at 49%. The good doctor is going to do good things, you guys. Yeah. So the good doctor changes what he's watching to photos and videos of people laughing, marriages, dolphins, and Blanca smiles. Honestly, if someone made me watch their nonstop <laughs> wedding video, that would make me more likely to kill people, not less. It's true. It's true. Meanwhile, in the background, we have the guy reading a porn. Yeah, that's how Dalsim is able to switch these feeds. The weird guard is too busy just reading a nudie mag probably jerking off while Dalsum's just in the room. They show him sighing sentimentally over one of the spreads. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I squinted at it and paused so I could try and figure out what the porny magazine was titled, but the Shadowloo font makes it really hard to read. And I think it's like a pun on Armistice, but I'm not sure what the pun is. Oh, I really hope it is. This feed of good things, though, like... I feel like both of these loops of videos that he has been forced to watch to make him evil or good, they both loop after about, like, 15 seconds. Yeah. And guys, I worked at a GameStop for four years. <laughs> where they would just play the GameStop TV video feed that had, like, a 40-minute loop for a whole month until they changed out to something else. And you know what? 40 minutes was enough to drive me to crimes. To violence. To yeah. That was enough to make me want to commit many violent crimes. So, <laughs> 15 seconds. I don't know. Anyway, stealth boat. Stealth boat. Stealth boat. Driving along, doing its thing. Meanwhile, in Bison's headquarters, we have cameras on the water, which uh, pick up that something is going on, because the stealth boat is still kicking up a lot of water. Yeah, the stealth boat has gone into stealth mode, and they do this thing where all the actors in the boat kind of have to, like, shake in their seat a little and grit their teeth like something's happening. So the boat goes into stealth mode, which is reflecting things around it. And the boat still has boat wake, and also the boat starts shooting radar things. So their cover is blown within 20 seconds? Yeah. Stealth boat. Why did they have the stealth boat? Why didn't they just go in in a normal boat? The stealth didn't work. <laughs> Why did they establish that the stealth boat is stealth if the stealth boat wasn't going to work? Why spend that much money on the stealth effect? You spent so much money on Jean-Claude Van Damme and you didn't even give him a script. <laughs> he didn't need a script. He had cocaine. <laughs> they do this thing back in Bison's base where they're like, Colonel Bison is alive and M. Bison yells, of course, and turns around. <laughs> And that is used as a gif everywhere? It's everywhere. iconic. 
of course, then he makes an ableist joke immediately afterwards, so. Yeah. Gross. He's a huge asshole, you guys. He's evil? I don't know if you noticed he's evil. Because Sagat is, has an eye patch, and that's... Ha 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 ha. He doesn't even cover the right eye. Wait, you're right. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even going to be thorough about his ableist jokes. So after he does that... He needs to go launch the mines that are hidden along this river that the stealth boat is traveling on, the formerly stealth boat. And this is when we find out that his hovering command center has Street Fighter II arcade controls. <sighs> There's a lot going on with this. <laughs> just got the buttons and the joystick. They just scraped off the logo. He smashes buttons at random, you know, like me playing any fighting game. Button mashing. Naturally. It makes mines explode, apparently. And it blows up the stealth boat, and then he yells, game over. <laughs> because this is an amazing movie. The delivery on game over is truly astonishing, too. Game over! <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Raul Julie was a gift to this world. And we were not worthy of him? <laughs> not even a bit. No. Back in the lab, the chubby guy finished up his porn, he zipped up his pants, and then he realized that Dalsum had switched over to the Good Things feed. It's got five seconds of Martin Luther King Jr. saying, I have a dream. That's all you need to know about that speech. Yeah, that's it. Not the parts about how white desire for peace constantly overrides minority desire for justice. No, just the I have a dream part. Right, he dreams of something. He dreams a thing and peace and justice and it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We don't need to critically examine it. Don't read too closely in any of this. We don't need to do any critical examinations at all. It's fine. But also Dalsum does get pushed into the baggies of mutagens. <laughs> like he just kind of gently bumps into it but that's apparently enough he rubs his arms like some of it got onto him and it's like oh no now maybe my arms will stretch like they do what in the video game don't worry about it they don't nothing happens but Blanca is freed and he saves Dalsim so I guess the Martin Luther King clip worked and he's good now it's all fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, outside the base, we have this whole bit where a couple of bison soldiers light up a smoke, and then they get spooked by elephants, and then Guile punches them. And then Cammy snaps one of those dudes' neck. He, he's dead. Oh, he's definitely dead. <laughs> there is an audible snap. Cammy has killed a man. <laughs> Cammy will kill again. He's not getting up. <laughs> no. Surprise, Guile is still not dead. But now they have disrobed a bit, so Cammy and T-Hawk now look more like their video game characters. <laughs> yeah, although Cammy does get to keep pants yes. throughout the entire movie. They yes. don't make her take the pants off. But she's definitely wearing just like a sleeveless turtleneck bodysuit. And also her braids come loose from where they were pinned up on her head. Right, so now she's got the big braided pigtails. We cut briefly to the Nebich diplomat guy, the bureaucrat man, who was in like a helicopter and he's like, Oh, no, no. I stopped him from taking all the soldiers. The rest of the army's back at the base. We cut to one cook in the middle of a big empty lot stirring a pot while a cat wanders around. <laughs> it's very good. I don't know who decided on that bit, but it's a joke that lands very well exactly as it was intended. It's, it's a really good joke. Then we cut back to the base after this brief joke so we know the Nebich businessman is all right, I guess. We have this ADR thing where T-Hawk is explaining that he has a headband on now and it's Cherokee and it's a video game thing. 
Yeah, clearly somebody in the first screening was like, I don't understand where the headband came from. <laughs> so they had to dub in some dialogue to f***ing explain it because audiences are stupid. Yes, very dumb. We don't ever explain how Zangief eventually loses his pants, though. Yes, Zangief's pants just go away at some point <laughs> and it's fine. This, though, we can't deal with these headbands. If you don't explain where the headband came from, then some smug guy on CinemaSins is going to be like, where did the headband come from, ding? Since is a blight upon this earth. <laughs> it's true. Guile and Cammy and T Hawk find a grate that they can lift up that goes down into this temple that eventually turns into Bison's base, and like they secure a rope, and oh no, it looks like a fun slide, and there's a tarantula. Oh, Annie, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, whatever. It's a tarantula. They're big and fuzzy. I don't want to touch one, but like... As spiders go, they're perfectly tolerable. They're like the least creepy looking spider. I like how maybe on accident you used the, the my brother, my brother and me rancho variation there. It's a tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a tarantula because we needed a big spider that was completely harmless and it's a tarantula. So our animal count is now at snake, <laughs> cat, elephant tarantula there's a very large number of animals in this movie and animals aren't cheap you got to get something that's actually trained to perform on screen somebody had to train that tarantula you have to know that it's a big spooky temple in a video game so there's a spider a big spider naturally back in the hostage pit things aren't going so hot there is apparently no air conditioning in the hostage pit so the an has not in fact deposited 20 billion dollars bison dollars usd we don't know into Bison's Swiss bank account. His Swiss bank. Right. He owns a whole Swiss bank. You're right. This is his entire ass Swiss bank. Who did he kidnap to get that? I don't know. Does Switzerland have a royal family? I forget. Not anymore. They don't. All I know is don't go to Switzerland over Christmas because Switzerland is closed. This is 1994, by the way. So they check his bank balance with just this delightful bit of movie user interface yeah they just like put in a command line entry check bank balance <laughs> bank balance is zero they're not keeping any money in there to keep the account open they're just leaving the balance at zero you get fined for that yeah they're definitely getting fined for that if they accidentally use the bank account by mistake they're probably going to get an overdraft fee anyway yeah no money <laughs> they haven't paid the ransom cammy notes that the soldiers will be arriving in 12 minutes meanwhile Bison is like, well, let's just open up the hostage pit. So the computer voice tells everyone that the hostage pit is opening. Careful. <laughs> Don't fall into the hostage pit. We're about to release an angry super soldier in there to kill everyone. Which is apparently how they're going to be executed. Bison is like, no, no firing squad for you. You get torn apart by my super soldier now. A wild beast born of my own genius. Meanwhile, Guile has found Charlie. He goes into the lab, which is totally wrecked. Also, I think there's an aquarium here now? Unclear. Blanca attacks him, and they do the thing where, you know, when one part of the romantic couple is in, like, a monstery fugue state, and the other one's like, no, no, it's me. It's me. And they're like, oh, it's you. And they come down from the monster state. Yeah, they're boyfriends. They're boyfriends. Of course, then it takes a turn. Yeah! So he's like, oh, help me. Help me, William, which is Guile's first name. Don't worry about it. Help me. And he's like, oh, I'll help you. I'll help you. And then I'll make them pay. And he pulls out a gun. <laughs> he's just going to kill him. 
that he t- he's he's going to shoot him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I've read this fanfic. <laughs> so Guile is perfectly ready after five seconds of seeing his friend as the Incredible Hulk, but with carrot top hair. He's just going to do an old yeller. I mean, wouldn't you if your friend had carrot top hair? No. Wouldn't you believe that they're better just being put out of their misery? I would take my friend to a salon (laughs) before I decided that I needed to put them out of their misery. There are hair salons that can help. I'm not sure that's true. Okay, well, there would be a whole lot of bleaching, but come on. (laughs) He straight up points the gun at Blanca, no hesitation, until freaking Dr. Dalsam shows up and he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Bison is like, raise the incubation chamber and everything starts shaking. And Dalsam is like, what are you doing? The war criminal is upstairs. And also right here. But the guy we're fighting is upstairs. (laughs) He's just having a hard time right now. And then he's like, Bison is summoning his creature. And then they have an idea. So, of course, the incubation chamber rises up. There's a whole bunch of spikes loaded out from the chamber to make a path right to the hostages. You know, to keep them from getting distracted. Right. And a bunch of smoke climbs out. And as the smoke clears, we wait to see the monster come out of the incubation chamber. And, well, not that specific green monster comes out, but a war criminal (laughs) does come out. (laughs) Guile does a flying kick, like, ten feet in the air, over the spikes. Who does he actually kick? Does he just straight-up kick Bison? I think he does just straight-up kick Bison. Amazing. And then they're like, shoot the hostages, and then they close the hostage pit, and Guile kicks a bunch of dudes and punches a bunch of dudes and accidentally makes the call for battle stations. So now all the soldiers are mobilizing. And so the good guys who have been gathered to watch the hostages get at by a super soldier, they start breaking free and they're going to make a break for it. Balrog suddenly takes off his shirt and now he's got a purple boxing top on. Naturally, like you do. (laughs) Like in the video game. Honda like puts his hair up in a little sumo bun. He's also got makeup now. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. There's chaos ensuing. Honda makes a break for Zangief. (laughs) They're the two big guys. They got to fight. Yeah. They have to fight to assert dominance. Everything is pretty much just going tits up right now. And Sagat looks around at this whole display and he's like, well, all that's left is revenge. So he's going to go kill Ken and Ryu. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the conclusion to make here. (laughs) Meanwhile, Honda and Zangief punch so hard they fall through the floor. Yep. <laughs> They're too powerful. <laughs> they are too powerful for this movie. They just punch through the floor and they're still going to fight. It's amazing. So this is the part of the movie that just turns into absolute chaos. It's the street fighter part of the movie. <laughs> this is the most street fightery part of the movie. We've been sitting here for an hour and 20 minutes waiting for these characters to start punching each other. And now we're here. <laughs> Bison sees on the feed that Blanca is actually fighting Bison's men. And he's like, how did this happen? Pull up the feed of what he was watching, which I guess you can do. And it's like the Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream and somebody's wedding. And he gets so mad he punches the monitor. <laughs> <laughs> and screams No. Meanwhile, Cammy and T-Hawk are arriving with the Allied Nations. Cammy is completely just in her costume plus pants. T-Hawk has lost his shirt. He just has a vest now. 
it's fine. It's fine. It's very hot. It's fine. <laughs> I don't mean that him having a shirt off is hot. I mean that, like, physically on that set, it must have been very warm. <laughs> and then Bison looks at this chaos on all of his monitors, on his giant wall of monitors, and is like, then defeat is a possibility. Very well. Then we shall face it together, DJ. DJ, meanwhile, is like, uh, and slowly backing out of the shot. <laughs> With the stoicism of the true warriors. And DJ, meanwhile, has left the shot at that point. He has walked out of a door. <laughs> DJ just wandered off. He's just gone. He's just <laughs> left. DJ is so tired and he is done with this movie. <laughs> like, we shall face it together, DJ. And he lifts his eyebrows like, well, are, are we? Are we? Oh, are What's we? this week, Emosabi? <laughs> <laughs> Ken and Ryu, we cut to them. Ken is looking for a way out. And Ryu's like, what are you doing? And Ken's like, the soldiers with guns are here. The soldiers with guns are here to shoot people. We should go. <laughs> Which is displayed as cowardly. Yeah, this is portrayed as cowardice. They don't have any guns, by the way. They don't have any <laughs> weapons. Well, I guess they do have tickets to the gun show. Correction, Ryu has tickets to the gun show, <laughs> not Ken. <laughs> Ken is like a roadie for the gun show. <laughs> Ryu is like, but there are people fighting and, and dying upstairs. We should go help with our punches. And Ken's like, no, nah, I think I'm going to get some money and leave. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zangief and Honda break through another wall. They are still fighting! <laughs> they are the best fight in the movie. Probably. Just two giant guys smacking the shit out of each other. It's very good. It's real good, y'all. We cut back to Guile, who is back in, like, the whole big command center thing. He has leapt up onto a walkway, and there's a whole bunch of soldiers with guns pointed at him, and he takes out a knife, and he's like, Ha-ha! Soldiers act all spooked, but it turns out that, oh no, the Allied Nation soldiers have guns behind him. Womp womp. <laughs> I will give Jean-Claude Van Damme credit for this. The portrayal of his transition from I'm gonna die to haha, you are scared of my knife to oh, you're not scared of my knife is actually pretty good. <laughs> it's maybe the most subtle acting that he does in this whole movie. It's fun. I mean, it's a beat that's been done in every other movie, but it's fun. And we immediately have to cut off from this because he's like, oh, where's Bison? Oh, he's probably hiding. And then Bison immediately comes up on the monitor wall being filmed by nobody. <laughs> <laughs> hiding, what do I have to fear from you? Worker ants scurrying about with their pitiful weapons, afraid of the purity of unarmed combat. <laughs> and we pan to the left and he's just standing there. <laughs> he's in full view of everyone like if they'd looked they would have seen him <laughs> sure the purity of unarmed combat let's punch each other real good <laughs> and then the sane people here the normal people here are like hey maybe no <laughs> and guile is just like no i wanna <laughs> i have already taken my shirt off i'm down to my undershirt so I look like my video game character. I've got a tattoo of the flag on my arm. I'm American, you guys. I want to punch the guy. They both tell their soldiers to leave. Everybody does. And they're going to have a street fight. And then they do. And we started off with Guile throwing a punch in just so away so you can see his arm tattoo. And then we cut. <laughs> we cut to Sawada and his actual real personality. His actual real ability to act because he's speaking a language, you know, that he speaks. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Sawada and a subordinate who is also Japanese, both speaking to each other in Japanese, talking about how we've managed to tap into the security feeds. And Sawada's like, great, let's take a look. And oh, oh, what do we cut to? (laughs) What do we cut to? We cut to a fucking kaiju fight between Zangief (laughs) and Honda in the midst of the model of Bisonopolis. Oh, right! Complete with the Godzilla noises. Yeah! And the Japanese soldiers are just looking at this with this look of utter like, I don't know if we're supposed to be insulted by this. (laughs) Yeah. To the movie's credit, none of the Japanese soldiers say Gojira. (laughs) Thank God. Thank God. But man, this movie. I love them. I love these two (laughs) punchy boys. (laughs) So Guile and Bison punch each other real good. Chunli and Balrog are searching for hostages. Balrog has lost his pants and he's now done to boxing shorts and he found boxing gloves somewhere. It's fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) There is no comment about this in this entire film. People just slowly morph into their video game counterparts. Why? Why? Why did we have to have an explanation of the fucking headband, but for some reason Balrog having boxing (laughs) gloves out of nowhere is just fine? (laughs) Like, you could have had some kind of ADR where he's like, Good thing I found these boxing gloves in the gym that we're in. (laughs) But no, the Cherokee headband was the bridge too far, not the whole ass boxing outfit he's apparently been wearing this whole time. Oh, God. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. They find the hostages. It's great. Over the course of the Guile Bison fight, it does the thing where this is another thing that's just clearly a Street Fighter level. And it replicates the thing where in a fighting game, like a 2D fighting game, you get packed into a corner and then the guy just kicks you using the exact same move like five times in a row while you can't do shit about it. I think they used the exact same shot of him doing a kick, like twice. I don't know why this is the part of the Street Fighter experience they decided to replicate, but I can't say that I dislike it. (laughs) It's very authentic. And then Bison gets kicked into a broken display, and that electrocutes him to death, apparently. Guile makes a call to Cammy. She's like, oh, Captain, how are you? I'm just half dead. And Bison... (laughs) All dead. <laughs> Which, of course, is when we pan to a monitor that says, Bison, life support on. Beginning CPR. And we see Bison's chest rising and falling. His suit defibrillates him. This suit got its own goddamn credit and it deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it shoots an adrenaline shot into him, we see on this monitor. And then Bison just stands up. He's alive. And now he shoots lightning. <laughs> That's just a thing he does now. Meanwhile, DJ shows up in Bison's room, looks through the safe, grabs a crate of money, runs off with it, and says, Oh man, I should have stayed at Microsoft. (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, if I had to choose between working for M. Bison and Microsoft, I feel like M. Bison is the more ethical option. I would choose M. Bison, yeah. Plus, he's just more dramatic. I like the drama. Working for a dictator is less skeevy than working for Silicon Valley. Yeah. It's true. Honestly, the benefits are probably better. By which I mean you have some. Right. (laughs) Ken follows shortly after, looks for the same thing. is like, oh no, no money box. So he takes a gold statue 
And then he, like, ambles over to the security cameras to be like, how the hell do I leave? And finds <laughs> Ryu about to get ambushed in the street fire level. Yeah, it is very blatantly like the shot is split into two halves with Ryu coming down one set of stairs and Sagat and Vega coming down the other set of stairs. It is blatantly a Street Fighter stage. It turns out this is actually in the locker room, but this does not look like the locker room. But they're going to fight here anyway. Vega shows up. There's just ADR. It attributes this line to Vega of him saying, like, where were we? Like, they're going to continue the fight earlier, but his face is covered by the mask at this point. He got his mask back, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) That was step one for him once he got out of jail. Acquire mask. (laughs) Redo his braid. French braid hair, acquire mask. (laughs) He's got his priorities in line. He's a very pretty boy. We cut back to Guile taking in Bison, and he's like, what happened to the purity of unarmed combat? And then Bison explains how his suit works. (laughs) This is merely superconductor electromagnetism. Surely you've heard of it. In the exact same way that the line delivery of what like it's hard from Legally Blonde. (laughs) It levitates bullet trains from Tokyo to Osaka. It levitates my desk where I ride the saddle of the world. (laughs) And it levitates me. Bison flies now. I love this movie. He has the best expression on his face every time he flies, too. (laughs) It's that same face from, like, when he was in the safe room. This weird manic glee. Like his skull is trying to pop out of his face. (laughs) We briefly cut over to Sagat fighting with Vega and Ryu. Sagat has lost his jacket and he picked up some padded fingerless gloves somewhere. Oh! Don't, Don't worry, worry about, about it. it. And then it turns back to Bison, and he says, <laughs> Something wrong, Colonel? You came here prepared to fight a madman, and instead you found a god? <laughs> a god. Yeah, this is the point in time where you can go look at my Twitter bio and get the joke that I made that's real good, and none of you people have gotten it. Listen, anyone who listens to Gem Jammer, I can promise you now that monologue is going to show up at some point. <laughs> We cut real quickly back to Ryu's fight, where Ken has suddenly come up to help. Ryu has taken his shirt off. Ken takes off, like, the bison badge on the top of his gi, and then Ryu just rips off his whole shirt. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, there's just a Hadouken for some reason. Yeah, it's like a blink and you'll miss it. There's, like, a quick flash effect, and he just does this very quiet Hadouken. Like, we don't even want to call particular attention to it. We don't want to call attention to Ryu Street Fighter doing the most, like, well-known move in Street Fighter. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Mr. Ryu Street Fighter. Mr. Ryu Street Fighter Jr. (laughs) Also, there's an incinerator. Ryu shoves Vega's face towards an incinerator, and there's some noise that indicates that the metal heated up super quick, and now Vega's pretty face has a scar on it. It's very slightly burned. It is the tiniest possible blemish on his face. It's literally blink if you miss it. Which, of course, means he needs to start wearing a mask and living below the opera house. (laughs) Exactly. He's a pretty man, and that was the moneymaker. How dare you? No one will ever love him now. Except Christine. (laughs) And then he's going to move to Coney Island. (laughs) Where nobody will love him except Christine. (laughs) 
Anyway, back in this episode, <laughs> Ken beats up Sagat, I guess, and he puts the gold statue that he grabbed from Bison's room there, and he looks at him and says, you know, I ought to thank you. If I hadn't met you, I might have become you. That was not set up at all. <laughs> no. It acts like Ken has had an emotional arc in this movie, which is definitely not the case. But, you know, I guess he's altruistic now. I guess he learned to not be an asshole. <laughs> like Ken was ever going to become the crime lord of an entire city. That dude was going to get beat up in the alley behind the McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. McDonald's parking lots are PvP-enabled zones. <laughs> So meanwhile, we come back to the bison fight. And if you thought you came here prepared to fight a madman and instead you found a god was the height of this sequence, then you were sorely mistaken. You still refuse to accept my godhood? <laughs> Keep your own god! In fact, this might be a good time to pray to him. And then he just screams! <laughs> For I beheld Satan as he fell from heaven like lightning! <laughs> like Willy Wonka in the candy-making tunnel, he just screams. <laughs> everything about this is so good he is flying his hands are glowing with electricity like lightning and he charges at him <laughs> as he screams <laughs> he's just saying these words I, did, did Ro Julia go off script for this? this is incredible this can't have been in the actual screenplay it's too good <laughs> Anyway, Guile Roundhouse kicks him into the monitors and kills him. <laughs> After all that, he just dies. He just dies. He goes out like a punk. In his big thing of CRT monitors, his giant wall of like 32-inch televisions, he's dead. <sighs> and like, Guile looks at him and he says, Bison, you're off the air. Oh, God. But that was recorded in ADR as he's running away. Do you think... Jean-Claude Van Damme just really thought that was a cool zinger and wanted to make sure they got it. Probably. So they free the hostages out of the hostage pit. Chun Lee cries because she's just so happy. And they all start running towards the exit. Honda and Zenki for still fighting, by the way. And then Honda's and then Chun Lee is like, Honda, we gotta go. And Honda's like, sorry, buddy, can't play anymore, and runs off. <laughs> Zangief, who has lost his shirt at least, I think he's also lost his pants. And Zangief is kind of let down. Zangief is down to his little wrestling undies. Yells at him and says, coward, come back. And then he sees DJ, who has changed out of his uniform and is now in his video game costume. Zangief is like, what are you doing? This whole section on my notes is just called Zangief is a good boy. And DJ's like, let's go, man. The enemies of peace and freedom are at our walls. DJ explains. DJ is like, what are you doing? We're the bad guys. <laughs> Wait, General Bison is a bad guy? If you knew this, why did you serve him? Because he paid me a freaking fortune, you moron! <laughs> and he runs away, and Zangief absorbs this for a beat. You got paid? <laughs> Zangief thought he was a good guy! I love him so much! He's such a good boy! <laughs> Zangief listened to that entire bison monologue above the bisonopolis model. <laughs> and he was like, I'm a good guy. All the propaganda posters were right. I'm a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> And he was doing it for free because he believed in being a good guy. <laughs> Zangief is a good boy. Everything is going to explode, by the way. Don't worry about it. It's just time for things to explode. It's that part of the movie. It's the part of the movie where things explode. 
Skiles returned to the lab. He's looking for his friend Charlie, who I'm still pretty sure has never called himself Charlie. That's just what Guile calls him. He's looking for his boyfriend. Meanwhile, Ken and Ryu are leading everybody to the exit. Chunli and Cammy are in a shot together, so they have to be mean to each other again. <laughs> Chunli's like, ugh, pigtails? Cammy looks at her and says, look who's talking. And that's the point of the movie when Chunli realized she's been put up in buns this whole time. <laughs> she had not noticed up until now. As part of the outfit, someone did up her hair. Who did up her hair? Spicy just have a really good <laughs> hair guy? I guess. The blast doors, or whatever, are coming down. We're not going to make it in time. The door's too heavy. But then, here comes Zangief. <laughs> it's our boy. It's our good boy. It's our boy. It's our good, good boy. <laughs> it's our good, stupid boy. He is here. He holds up the door. Meanwhile, DJ and Sagat both escape out a different route. We cut back to the door where all the hostages are running out. Ken and Ryu are helping hold up the door, which is definitely not necessary. Helping, in big sarcastic quote marks. Yeah. They're helping. <laughs> they have also put their hands on the underside of this door. Zangief is clearly the load bearer here. Everybody gets out, except for Guile, who is down in the lab still. And he's like, oh no, where is Charlie? And then Dalsim and Blanca show up. Dalsim is bald now because that's what his video game character looks like. He's also lost a shirt. He's like, look, it's fine. We're going to go off together and we're going to go, I don't know, live in a sewer or something. We're going to figure it out. It's going to be fine. There's this line where Dalsim turns to the camera and he's like, if good men do nothing, that is evil enough. Does this movie have a moral? Is that the moral? I don't know. They say that like this movie is a functional movie, like with a... With themes and stuff. Yeah, with truths. If good men do nothing, then they shouldn't have a stealth boat. <laughs> oh shit, that should have been my fact. <laughs> <laughs> that could be your final fact. It might be. They like cower under an explosion, but I guess they'll be fine. They'll be fine. But Guile heads out. There's an explosion. Bison is dead. The bison soldiers have, by the way, been in red camo this whole time. Whereas all the AN soldiers have been in blue camo, so you can tell them apart real easy. <laughs> Soldiers all throw down their weapons. We cut to Sagat and DJ. Sagat has lost his shirt now. Opening the... The chest and finding bison bucks. Which is amazing. Of all things to get a call back in this movie, it's the bison bucks. <laughs> and they get mad, of course, and start throwing it around. Everyone is like, oh my god, where's Guile? He didn't make it. Sawa is also here. <laughs> <laughs> He's here now. It's fine. He's here now. He's also a character. It's fine. Zangief is like, he was a brave man, a true warrior. Does Zangief know who we're talking about? Possibly no. <laughs> he told us to leave. We did the right thing. Well, it still feels pretty wrong to me. And then from the smoke behind them, inexplicably, Guile emerges. And everyone is like, oh my god, it's Guile. He's so wonderful and pure and perfect and we love him. And Guile looks at Cammy and goes, Lieutenant, make a note. I need a vacation. What? <laughs> She's not his secretary. <laughs> and then like, Ken and Rhea are like, we're gonna help put Shadaloo back together because we had an emotional arc in this movie? Uh, we guess? Also hold on to our passports despite the fact that's a terrible idea just on principle. <laughs> Zangief turns to Guile and he does the sideways thumb and Guile turns the thumb upright and Zangief just like looks at it like, huh. Like a whole new world has opened up for him. <laughs> Chun-Li is like, 
can I finally get that interview? And he's like clearly giving her the once over and he's like, only if you wear that outfit. Uh, gross. gross. But there's no time for that because there's an explosion and everyone turns around and poses. And jump freezes, in fact. Yeah, that's um, that's everyone's victory pose from the game, apparently. Yeah. They do their victory poses with an explosion in the background, go, yeah, and then the logo comes up on the screen. Because <laughs> it's Street Fighter! Because it's Street Fighter, you guys. It's Street Fighter! And then a thing comes up that's for Raul via Contios, because this was, of course, his final film. Uh... And my god, people will talk about how, like, ugh, I can't believe this is his final film. Street Fighter? What a movie. But holy shit! He did the most acting in this. And he clearly had fun. He carried this movie. This movie is great because of every scene that he is in. The movie will drag when Raul Julia is not on screen or Vega. But anytime that Raul Julia is on screen, the movie instantly jumps up to an 11 in terms of how good this movie is. It vacillates wildly. But Raul Julia is so good. He knows exactly what movie he was in. He chewed the fucking hell out of the scenery and he loved it. The man was dying and he gave this movie his all. He was a goddamn professional. This is honestly like, this is not a good movie, but it is the best Street Fighter movie anybody could make. And trust me, they've made multiple attempts. This is the best they did. Oh yeah, I've seen The Legend of Chun-Li. Woof. Over the credits, the Good Morning Vietnam guy is back and he just tells a oh, whole God. bunch of just canned bison jokes periodically over the course of the credits. Did they just put this guy in a booth and tell him to just go? If I, they didn't give him a script, they said just go? I have to assume they did, because that's exactly what it sounds like. He absolutely just took some of the just dumb jokes that he already had and swapped out bison. And then there's also a post credit scene in the- Oh god, I, f I did not realize there was a post credit scene. What is it? So there's a post credit scene in this movie that they did not actually put in the theatrical run out of respect for Raul Julia. Because what this is, is we hear, as the credits finish, we hear a warp sound saying solar batteries recharging. One solar battery recharged. System activated as we pan over the wall of broken ass monitors. <laughs> and through the monitors, a fist punches up. <laughs> And the computer says, good morning, General Bison. What is your menu choice for today? And we see the screen and it scrolls through a whole bunch of itinerary options and selects world domination. And a like <laughs> flash and says, world domination, replay, replay, replay. And it cuts. That is incredible. I love that so much. <laughs> this punches up through the monitors. <laughs> And it's green energy because it's solar. <laughs> Environmentally conscious world dictator. Guys, I love Street Fighter so much. <laughs> I love Street Fighter so, 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 so much. This is not a good movie, but it is a great one. It is time for our final facts. Kit, what's your final fact? This one's a bit spicy, and it will take some explaining afterwards. Okay. There is no functional difference between the framework of this movie and a Marvel Studios movie. <laughs> it's got all the same shit it's got the slightly more grounded backstories it's got the attempts at witty banter it's got the easter eggs for the people who are into the source material it's got all of this stuff the only difference is it was made with 90s filmmaking sensibilities instead of 2000s filmmaking sensibilities i'm into it that's a very good fact mac what's your final fact Mine's a little long, okay, but I'm getting there. When I hit bottom, I was crushing men's skull like sparrow's egg between my thighs. <laughs> and I think, why you have to be so bad, Zangief? 
Why can't you be more like a good guy? Then I have moment of clarity. If Zangief is good guy, who will crush man's skull like Sparrow's egg between thighs? And I say, Zangief, you are bad guy. But this does not mean you are bad guy. Mackenzie, holy shit! Yes? I love you, Mackenzie. Annie, what's your final fact? Fuck, you guys are really up the fucking ante here. My final fact is one of just simply inconsolable glee. <laughs> I would be making a really high-pitched noise right now, but I feel like that would break all of my audio. My final fact is that you should fucking watch Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie so much. It's one of my favorite movies, and I really like talking about it. I mean, I guess my final fact could just be, if you know me for any length of time, don't meet me in person. I'll make you watch Street Fighter. <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> oh, God. I think that's actually going to do it for us. Thank you all for listening. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm like sweating. This is taking a lot out of me. Street Fighter will do that to a person. <laughs> well, hopefully we have convinced you of the absolute fact that some movies, like Street Fighter, are made to chew scenery. And some men, like Raul Julia, are made to chew I don't know what I'm doing here. I love Street Fighter. <laughs> we'll just end there. <laughs> Join us next time. We'll be talking about another really good movie. We'll have a fact for you then because I'm halfed up on Street Fighter and I don't want to think about what the fact is, but it's going to be a good movie. Well, it's not going to be a good movie, but we're going to talk about something that's extremely our shit and I think you guys are going to like it. It involves me yelling Hawkeye a lot. <laughs> It involves me doing my best Wilfred Brimley impersonation. Yeah, speaking of Marvel movies, but not actually speaking of Marvel movies, we're going to be talking about Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. <laughs> I Will Fight You is done by us, and it is also now produced by Lucas Brown, who is at Locified. You can also find his other podcast at The Math of You. That is on Twitter, and the podcast is also just called The Math of You. I Will Fight You is going to come out about every five weeks. We're still working out the kinks on that one, but that's our goal at this point. If you want to support the show, you can do it with a like, rating, review, comment, subscribe, wherever you find our podcast. It's also super helpful and helps our metrics. Also, we just like hearing nice things about ourselves. I can report back to everybody about the nice things that you say about our podcast. Please say nice things about our podcast. I need the validation. If you want to validate us with dollars, you can do that at patreon.com slash the gem jam for a couple bucks a month. You can support both this and our other projects, Date Me Damn It and Gem Jammer, which are very good shows. And I like them a lot, and I think you'll like them too. You can also support us with Kofi. We have merchandise. All of that is going to be on our website, crookedrussiancam.horse, which is still the joke that keeps on giving for me personally. <laughs> I enjoy the dot horse. <laughs> I enjoy telling people our website solely for the dot horse. Find us on Twitter at CRC Podcasts and on Tumblr at crookedrussiancam.tumblr.com. Again, all of this is on our website, crookedrussiancam.horse. <laughs> That's crookedrussiancam.horse. <laughs> It's dot com. AOL keyword horse. <laughs> Join us next time with another absolutely incontrovertible fact. I don't think that one's a word. I was an English major. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We'll have more facts for you. It's fine. You should go watch Street Fighter. Crush man's like sparrow egg between thighs. Until then. <laughs> I'm Annie. <laughs> I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And we have fought you. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!
Ready, check. Ready. Ready. I played a new dating sim last night. Mackenzie, this is not. I'm I'm just. I'm. Ready, check is not the time to have this conversation. (laughs) I'm just. I'm just thinking about it. It's in my head, and it was terrible. I just okay, want everybody okay. to know not, it's terrible. Mackenzie, not everything that's in your head has to come out of your mouth. <laughs> okay, that's antithetical to the whole Mackenzie experience that's and fair. you know it. <laughs> but can you put Street Fighter in your head for the moment? Street Fighter's also in my head. It's just Dandelion Last Wishes for You is also there. And... We will talk about it later. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me actually start this fucking show. You got it. I have a couple of rules for any subsequent Street Fighter movies, which is that Vega should be on screen at all times. If Vega's not on screen, (laughs) people should constantly be asking, where's Vega? (laughs) He should be hottier and prettier and have access to a time machine. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. 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 